so what a joy. Uh, the Lord is doing some great things in the GTA, and I am honored to serve approximately 130 churches in the GTA. And uh, these are Pentecostal churches, a part of our fellowship. And the great thing about our churches is they are ethnically diverse. And so every Sunday I am somewhere and I could be in a Spanish-speaking church, I can be in a Filipino church, I can be in a Caribbean church or an African church or a Pakistani church or a French-speaking church, a Korean, a Chinese, a Tamil, an Indian, a First Nations church, Afghani church, Nepalese church, an Arabic-speaking church, an Hungarian church, a Portuguese-speaking church. And so I'm just traveling the world right here in our city. And, you know, the beautiful thing is, is uh, the kingdom of God is diverse. And uh, heaven, one day... Uh, will be a diverse place where every tongue, every tribe will worship Jesus. And so if you don't like diversity on this side, you won't like heaven. And I know it's been a tough couple years and COVID's been kind of, uh, we don't even want to say it anymore. And... Uh, but, you know, COVID didn't surprise God. God wasn't in heaven wondering, oh, man, this wasn't in my plan. What am I going to do? This is messing everything up. No, 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 no. God is seated on the throne. And he holds the entire universe in his hands. And he is in control. And he is doing mighty things. In fact, I believe there is a resurgence of the Spirit of God in our day. I believe we need a resurgence of the Spirit. We need a move of God. Let me, let me share a few. Pastor Tim had asked me, share a little bit of what's going on in the city, uh, in the GTA. And, and, and it is amazing. These are heroes of the faith. I'm humbled when I go to these churches because I think, what do I have to offer these people? Because they are giants of the faith. Let, 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 me, let me let you know of of uh, one of our lady pastors, Pastor Nazarene, who fled her country of Iran because of persecution. In fact, she was thrown into prison for several months for testifying and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Her church was, uh, when she was in Iran, was a church of approximately 500 people, and so her influence was increasing. And so they threw her into prison, took everything away from her, all of her possessions, everything she had worked hard for. She got out of prison, fled, guess where, to Toronto. And she began to continue her work during COVID. And she began via satellite, via WhatsApp, via live stream, you name it. She figured it out. And she continued to pastor her church in Iran. And over COVID, the church went from 500 to 2,000. And she has trained up leaders in her church in Iran. And now here she is in Toronto. And she's just planted a church right in our city. And, and I was honored, Sylvia and I were there just a couple weeks ago preaching and, 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 and just to see the hunger in the Persian community. And this church already is approximately 150. And I got to tell you, I was humbled to even stand there. And I'm thinking, what does Pastor Nazarene uh, expect from me? She's the giant. She's the one who should be up here. 
And yet after I preached, not one person would leave the building until they were prayed for. And there was just such a, just a, a wonderful hunger for more of God and more of the Spirit in their lives. And so uh, during COVID, she uh, began to provide leadership training and, and support via Zoom to two churches in Turkey that she had planted uh, via Zoom. She, she's ministering to a church in Greece that's now over 400. She weekly connects on WhatsApp, a Bible study WhatsApp, uh, using WhatsApp to Afghani families that are on the run from the Taliban, but they trust Pastor Nazarene, so they'll phone her, and she's up in all hours of the morning ministering to them. That's happening right now in the city of Toronto through one minister, Pastor Nazarene. How about Pastor Jamil Nasser? This guy is, is, a, is a personal friend of mine. Uh, he is a joy to be with. Here's a brother who planted a church in Pakistan in his apartment with his dear wife and they were just a small group that, you know, long story short, this church began to just continue to grow and grow and grow. So much so he became one of the most influential people in Pakistan and uh, it got very dangerous for him. He was under house arrest. He has five children, four of which are girls. And so they were in high danger in terms of being kidnapped and, and, and there's lots of other things that could happen. And so they fled uh, Pakistan and their church had blossomed to over 20,000 people. And so here he is now in the GTA. And COVID hits and he's like, what am I going to do? I want to go back, but I can't. And I feel like God's perhaps calling me to Canada. And so there in his small apartment in Hamilton, Ontario, he sets up this, you know, from just this equipment that's from the, you know, little uh, saucer pans as lights from the dollar store. And he's got this old laptop. But there he is live streaming, preaching to his church in Pakistan to 20,000 people. And so he says to me, Joel, I want you to come preach. And so with time difference, I show up in Hamilton. It's like 1 a.m. in the morning. This was a few weeks ago, and I'm like, Pastor Jamil, I, you know, I, I've got to be in Toronto at 9 a.m., so, you know, I can't, the service, I can't stay too long because I got to get to Toronto in the morning, and it was already morning. And so, uh, so I, you know, he says, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be great. You preach. And, and I'm watching the screens in this small apartment in Hamilton, and I'm literally preaching to 20,000 people in Hamilton, Ontario. And then he says, Pastor Joel, we want you to do some water baptisms. <laughs> water baptisms? How are we going to do this? And he says, oh, the guys set up cameras in the tank in Pakistan, and, and they can hear us, and we can see them, and they can see, and we want you to baptize the people. And I said, okay, I'd be honored to. First time I did it, virtually. And so there we go. And, and I'm thinking, you know, we're used to, what, 10, 15 people. I water baptized 127 people by name. I'm looking and he's laughing because he knows I got to be in Toronto at 9 a.m. And this thing is going on forever. 
But I'm thinking, wow, God, and story after story about Muslim people coming into an encounter with the Spirit of God. And then he's going to train them. He just did a graduation where he graduated 179 Bible college students. Jamil is one of our guys, one of our credential holders. He's planted a church in Grimsby and now he's on the brink of doing one in Brampton. Friends, there is a resurgence, a move of God right here in our city. And I believe God has positioned you to do more than what you've ever thought or imagined. The potential that's in this house with this pastor and this leadership team, with this people, is enormous. And as I was thinking about this morning, I thought of the word resurgence. Resurgence, by definition, is after low activity, things are brought back to full activity. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to bring us back to full activity. Into a deeper season that this church perhaps has never experienced. I thought of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 3-5. to The word of the Lord says this. Here's Paul, the greatest missionary ever. (laughs) The one who wrote half of the New Testament. He says to the church of Corinth, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound overly confident. But Paul understood that I am nothing without God. That I can do nothing without God. And so he comes to the people of Corinth with weakness, with great fear and trembling. And he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now that, that verse, those verses are loaded. Paul was a smart guy and he, can, he could have waxed a lot of eloquence and he could have deep conversation and there's nothing wrong with all of that. There's nothing wrong with getting a great education. I've got a bachelor's degree, I've got a master's degree. Work hard, study the word, continue to study, be educated, all of those things. But friends, we also need the demonstration of the Spirit's power in and through our life. Why? Because Paul says... I don't want your faith to just rest on my wisdom, on my great messages, on my depth of wisdom, but I want your faith to rest on God's power. I want you to understand that this is the real deal, that God can break through and transform our life, transform our city, our families, our nation. And that's my prayer for Glad Tidings Church in Burlington. That there would be a resurgence of the Spirit of God. Where people encounter the power of God that completely transforms their life. The Jamils and the Nazarenes of our world get this. (laughs) They know that the only way people will come into contact with God is with the power of God. 
a transforming power. So this resurgence after low activity, coming into full activity. What does it look like when there's a resurgence of the Spirit this morning? Here are a few thoughts. A resurgence upward to spiritual maturity. I believe if we're going to experience a resurgence of the power of God, of the Spirit of God, something is going to happen in all of our lives. There will be a transforming aspect where we will become more like Jesus, where we will mature and grow up to becoming more like Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God, that's what a move of God looks like. When the power of God comes upon your life, upon your marriage, upon your family, upon your children, and something supernatural The old has gone and the new has come and there's a transformation of the heart. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is in Christ. God expects us to grow up. God expects us to mature. My prayer is that I am more like Jesus today than I was a year ago. That there would be less of me and more of him. Friends, that is what a resurgence of the Spirit of God looks like. When our lives are being transformed from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is committed to the process of shaping our lives into the image of Christ. There's an important passage that kind of exemplifies what I'm talking about. And that is in Mark Chapter 11, starting in verse 11, it says this, that Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he's there to go to the house of God. People are traveling from all the regions to come to the house of God. Jesus gets there with his disciples in the evening. And so instead of just going to his lodging place, he actually goes to the house of God. And he looks around. Nobody's there. He looks around. He sees what's going on. Uh, Perhaps he sees a table where perhaps there's going to be some money that's going to be currency that's going to be exchanged. Perhaps he sees another area where the animal sacrifices will be provided for. And he sees all of this. He scopes out the land. He walks into our churches and he says, what's going on here? What's happening around here? And then he goes and he gets some rest. The next morning, look what happens. It says, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. This is important. Jesus was hungry. You see, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so he had an appetite. It was morning. He was looking for breakfast. He's hungry. But friends, figuratively, spiritually, Jesus is hungry. And he's looking to your life. And he looks and walks into our churches. And he wants to know and see whether it is pleasing to him. And so he walks and he's hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. 
When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. I want you to underline that. He sees a fig tree. Now, this was an, an extraordinary tree because it was still early spring, which meant that there shouldn't have been a fig tree that was full of foliage at this point. But this fig tree kind of stands out for some unknown reason. It's full of leaves, which meant when a fig tree had a lot of leaves on it, there should be figs inside of that tree. And so Jesus, he's hungry, he sees the fig tree full of foliage, full of leaves. He goes to it to be satisfied. And as he looks through the leaves, he finds nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. Nothing to satisfy his hunger. Now, perhaps it's prophetic. About 9.45 or 10 o'clock last night, I thought, nothing but leaves. Lots of potential, lots of promise, but nothing. <laughs> lots of wins, but no playoff wins. So Jesus goes, there's, there's nothing here. This, this tree was full of promise, full of foliage, full of leaves, and it should have had figs, but it had no figs. Nothing but leaves. I want you to, to remember what happened to this fig tree. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, so he finally gets to Jerusalem, he finally gets to the house of God. Jesus entered the temple courts and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts and as he taught them he said is it not written my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a den of robbers Jesus is ticked the question is why why is he so upset? Why is he actually turning the house of God upside down? He's literally toppling over the money exchange tables. He's literally letting the doves free. It's chaos. Why is Jesus upset? Scholars have told us that people would have been traveling quite a long distance to get to the house of God. Most of them would have been traveling by foot, so they would have traveled quite a distance. They would have been tired and weary. Only the most affluent would have perhaps had a donkey to sit on as they went to Jerusalem to worship God in the house. And so in light of that, many of them were traveling from different regions, which meant they would come with different currency. And so the religious leaders of the day thought to themselves, you know what, let's make this really convenient. The people are traveling a long ways. Let's actually set up a money exchange booth right there in the courts. Sounds, sounds reasonable. After all, they've been traveling and, and, and we want to make it as convenient as possible. And so they'd come to the house of God and, and exchange their currency. And then to, to make things even more convenient, hey, you know what? They've been traveling all this distance. I mean, to carry around doves in a long journey is kind of awkward. And so let's provide the sacrifices right on site so they can get their money exchange and we'll slap on a nice fee. 
And then they'll walk over to another part of the, of the, the, the courts and they can actually buy the sacrifice, which will inflate the price. And then we're all good. Jesus says, no good. This is not good. Why? Why is Jesus so upset about this? The reason is the people reduced faith in God to a commercial transaction, a business deal, rather than a personally transformed life in Christ. Friends, Jesus is offended by the idea that a relationship with God is merely an exchange. I do this religiously so that I can get this. And he says, it doesn't work that way. I want your life. <laughs> I want your heart. I want to transform you. You see, back to the fig tree. Basically what Jesus was saying, was saying there's a whole lot of religious activity here. It seems like a lot is going on. But in reality, as the religious leaders of the day, they had a whole lot of foliage, a whole lot of leaves, but no fruit. Oof, my God. Transform me from the inside out. God's not looking for us to just be religious. <laughs> He's looking for us to be more like Jesus in our actions and in our reactions. And friends, a resurgence of the Spirit starts right here in my heart and in my life. The way I think, the way I act, the way I react, the way I live my life when nobody's looking, when I'm off stage. What is there if Jesus comes to the foot of your tree? What if he visits your life and your house? Does he see a whole lot of religious activity and a whole lot of foliage and a whole lot of leaves? Or is he going to find figs to be satisfied with? You know, in many ways, it's, it's a prophetic fulfillment because in Micah chapter 7, 1 and 2, Micah said this, I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat. None of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. You see, the religious leaders of Jesus' day struggled with a nothing but leaves kind of faith. Billy Sunday put it this way, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in the garage makes you a car. It was a missionary who once said, I, I'm, I'm going to, God, I feel like you're going to use me. I'm going to go and I'm going to change the world. And off he went with hopes of changing the world. And after much sacrifice and much effort, he realized he couldn't change the world. So he came back to God and he said, God, I tried. I thought you called me to change the world, but I, I, I failed. I, but you know what, God, I'm not going to give up. I believe you're going to use me to change my country. And off he went to try to change his country. And soon he discovered he failed at that as well. Came back to God and said, God, you know, I... I'm not going to give up. I tried the world, didn't work. I tried the country, didn't work. But you know what, God? I believe you're going to use me to change my city. And off he went to change his city. After much effort, he realized he wasn't going to change the city. Came back to God and said, God, I, I tried. I've been trying. And, 
I just can't save the city. But God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go and I'm going to change my family. And off he went. He realized he couldn't even change his family. Finally comes back to God and he's just feeling discouraged and defeated. And, and he heard the voice of the Lord say, I want to change you. I want to I transform your life from the inside out. And perhaps if you let me do that, perhaps then I will use you to change your family, your city, your nation, and perhaps, who knows, maybe the world. It starts right here. If we want to see a resurgence of the Spirit, God created me a pure heart. I don't just want to be religious. I don't want to just be a nothing but leaves kind of person. I, I want to be the kind of person that when you come under my tree and you look, you find figs. The fruit of the Spirit comes in and flows through my life. When things go hard and get hard, there's the fruit of the Spirit rather than the acts of the flesh. God, transform me from the inside out. Secondly, a resurgence of the Spirit, I believe, also means not only moving upward and becoming more like Jesus, but it also will lead you inward to build the church. If you're really going to experience a resurgence of the Spirit, not only are you going to have the Spirit transform you, but then He's going to move you inward. He's going to have you understand that the Spirit has given you gifts, talents, ability, time, treasure, spiritual gifts. These are gifts that aren't just developed because of your natural ability or practice. They're supernatural. God gives each follower of Christ at least one spiritual gift, if not more. These gifts are not given because you've earned them or because you've, you know, done certain, you've done well with your devotions or whatever. No, no. They're given by God's grace and he puts them into your life for a reason. So that you can be part of the body of Christ by contributing and using your gifts. Now, the church of Corinth struggled with this a little bit. They struggled with this whole spiritual gift thing. In fact, they, they had a tendency to, to use their spiritual gifts as a ranking system. Certain gifts got more exposure and more attention and were given more value than other gifts. Certain leaders were appreciated more because perhaps of their style of teaching over another leader. And they kept doing this. And Paul says, stop it. You're missing the whole point. You've all been given gifts in a diverse way because we all belong to each other and we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And so he speaks to them about two specific things. You see, the Corinthian church struggled with the following. First thing they struggled with was superiority. Notice what Paul says. And, 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 the, and superiority sounds a little bit like this. My gift is more important than other gifts. What the church really needs is what I have to offer. What the church really needs is more of this and less of those gifts. No. Paul writes, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
And so one of the things that at times, even in our churches, and I see it because I get invited when things are bad in churches and I have to try to figure it out and fix it. And I realize I can't fix anything. I need the help of the Spirit. But many times, it's, it's over superiority. The other thing they struggled with was inferiority. Inferiority, inferiority sounds like this. My gift isn't important. So you know what? I might as well just be a spectator. I might as well just sit back and enjoy the show. I might as well just take a seat here. You know, I don't have the gifts that these folks have. And, 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 and I'm just, you know, little old me. And I'm just going to sit over here and just find my own little corner and do my own little thing. What does Paul say? He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So what's Paul saying? He's like, when you relegate yourself to the sidelines and you think nobody even recognizes or notices me, I'm not causing any trouble, I'm just in the corner and doing my thing, I'm not engaged, I'm not uh, uh, you know, investing my life in my, early, in, in my church or in my community, nobody, I'm not bothering anybody. Friends, you need to understand that you are impacting the body of Christ in a negative way because you're not stepping up to the plate. Only because you have relegated yourself to the fringe does not mean you are no longer part of the body. You are part of the body. It's just that part of the body isn't functioning. If there's ever a day where we need every single person in the room to engage in the work of God, it is today. Every single one of you have gift, at least one, if you're a follower of Jesus. And you need to be deploying it because if you don't, the body isn't functioning at its full potential. A resurgence of the Spirit not only will move you upward in becoming more like Jesus, but something in you will happen that says, i got to serve. I've got to use the gift or gifts that God has given to me for the glory of God, not just for my career, not just to make a good living, but to build the kingdom of God. Thirdly, a resurgence of the Spirit not only will move you upward in becoming more like Jesus, not only will it move you inward to build the church, but it will move you outward to a lost world. Friends, Pentecost is all about harvest. I, and I don't have time to go through the Old Testament piece of, 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 of Pentecost, but it's, it's embedded that it is a, a feast of harvest, of of, of celebration of, of God, what he's done to bring in the harvest. And so when, when Pentecost happens in Acts, it's this, it's this baptism of harvest. It's this witness, to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's this go and be laborers in the vineyard of God, in the kingdom of God. It's all about being moved outward to a lost world throughout the book of Acts. People are being moved by the Spirit and are involved in acts or actions. That's why the book is called The Acts of the Apostles. It's what they actually did in light of their infilling of the Spirit. Their life was radically changed when they encountered the Spirit of God. For example, Peter, 
You know Peter. If you're new to church, he's this disciple who denied even knowing Jesus. In fact, Jesus even warned him that he'd do that. He said, Peter, there'll be a time you're, you're going to be asked, do you know me? And you're going to deny me three times. No, Jesus, come on. I've heard you. I've seen you. I'll never do that. There he was in the marketplace and around the fire. And one of the girls looks over and says, hey, hey, I think you look familiar. Aren't you part of the way, the, the ones who followed you? No, 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 no. You must be mistaken. No, no, no. I, I really think that... that, that I think I'm pretty confident I saw you with Jesus. No, you must be, it must be, I must look like one of them. No, I'm pretty, no, I'm not. And yet, one of the first people that Jesus wants to see after he reappeared after his death and resurrection was Peter. In fact, he sets up breakfast on the seashore. And he says, hey, Pete, can you imagine being Peter? (laughs) You warned me. I said I wouldn't. I did. I did it three times. Man, sorry for the term. I suck. (laughs) I'm not very good. Sorry, Pastor Tim, for using that. And yet Jesus says, no, I, I, I want to talk to you. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, you denied me three times over, but I'm going to reinstate you three times over. And some of us in the room, you have made some blunders. Welcome to the family because we all have, right? And you have disqualified yourself. You have said, you know what, I'm just not cut out for this, which is why you've relegated yourself. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's time to have breakfast. Don't allow your past failures to define who you are. God will redeem that. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life, just like he did for Peter. And you see Peter on the day of Pentecost being filled with the Spirit of God. And it's Peter who gets to preach the first sermon. After Pentecost, he gets to be the one. Isn't this amazing? What a remarkable story. And he gets up there empowered by the Spirit. And he must have been like, I can't believe I'm the one doing this. But here we go. And 3,000 people come to Christ. Wow. Because once you've experienced the Spirit of God, you're going to naturally be moved outward to a lost world. That's the natural progression. You see it again in in Acts chapter 3. This time Peter is walking along the road with John and there's a a, a lame beggar on the side of the street and, and Peter looks at him straight in the eyes and says... Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And he jumped to his feet. And he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. That's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I don't know about you, but I believe he can do that today. (laughs) 
I believe that God can use us to pray for the sick and they could be healed. You, you go on in the Acts of the Apostles. I mean, example after example, you, you see Philip being called to an Ethiopian eunuch. And, and the Spirit of God will speak to you specifics too. When you're moved outward and there's a resurgence of the Spirit to a lost world, he will direct your path. He says to Philip, go south to the road. You know the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza? You know the 401, take that exit and go over here? That's where I want you to go. You know why? Because there's going to be an Ethiopian eunuch there. And so he goes there and then he says, you see that guy there sitting in that chair? I want you to go talk to him. And so... He goes there, and what does he do? And the Ethiopian eunuch is actually reading the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> and, 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 and Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I understand if nobody explains it? And the Spirit of God directed Philip all the way down to Gaza, all the way down the desert road, all the way by the chariot to talk to a seeker so that he can explain what he was reading. Led him to Christ. Water baptized him moments later by the water. Friends, that's the acts of the apostles. The acts of the people of God who encountered the Spirit of God. I love Ananias in Acts 9. God says to Ananias, go to the house in, in Acts 9 verse 11. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. <laughs> it's in there. Go to that street. Why? And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying there. Now Ananias knew who this was. He's like, are you kidding me? This guy's a terrorist. You want me to go to his house? But compelled by the spirit, he goes. When Ananias went into the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he can see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Can you imagine if Ananias or Philip just was like, you know what, I'm too busy for this stuff. I, you know, my schedule is full. Friends, you work where you work for a reason. You live on the street that you live for a reason. You live in that apartment building by that family and the other family for a reason. You go to that school and you're in that class, although you hate calculus, you're there for a reason. <laughs> you play that sport and go to that gym for a reason. And I wonder if we're attuned to the voice of the Spirit when he says, hey, you know that road there and I want you to... Can you imagine if we listened and obeyed? <laughs> if we're going to see a resurgence of the Spirit, and we desire to see a demonstration of God's power, we have to understand that that's going to mean a transformation of the heart, a resurgence upward in becoming more like Jesus. We, we need to understand that that's going to move us inward 
to use our gifts and abilities for the work of God. And, and ultimately, it's going to move you outward to a lost and hurting world. I conclude this. And maybe the worship team can come on up. I, a few years ago, I was in uh, the great city of Hong Kong. And Sylvia and I had gone, we brought a, a group of young adults, the team was about 60 young adults. And we went to mainland China and we mountain biked in rural villages where they had never heard the name of Jesus once. And, and then on the back end of the trip, we went to Hong Kong, we also went to Macau. But when we were in Hong Kong, I was, I was tired. It was a full month of ministry. I think I preached 60 times in 30 days. And so we had left that final day as an R&R day, rest and relaxation. And so we were just going to look at the sights and enjoy the city before we flew back to Canada. And so I remember I was actually on my own at the waterfront in Hong Kong, and I was just sitting and enjoying the great city. And I, again, I was tired, and I was like, Lord, I gave you every, every ounce of energy for 30 days. And as I'm standing there, I feel the Holy Spirit <laughs> nudging my heart. And he says, you see that young man sitting on the steps? I want you to go talk to him. The response was, God, please leave me alone. <laughs> I am so fried. Have I not done enough? And, and, and of course, then you justify. He probably doesn't even speak English. What am I going to talk to him about? And this nudging just would not go away. So finally, I cave in. And so I'm walking towards this man, this young man, sitting on the steps. And as I get close, I chicken out and I sit behind him. And I'm like, God, I really don't want to do this. I, I, see how great man of God I am. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start this conversation. So I, I look across the waterfront, and I see this cross. And I, and I felt the Spirit of God say, just ask him what that is. What is that building? Does he know anything about it? So on. And so finally I sit beside him. And as I sit beside him, I realize he was reading something. I didn't see what it was. But he quickly closed it and put it in his pocket. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. But whatever. I just started the conversation, introduced myself. I asked him what the cross was, what that building was. He says, oh, that's a church. And he was telling me about it. And, and uh, guess what? He spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> and so he says, why are you here? What are you, you, know, what are you doing here? And I shared... And I shared about our team and what we came there to do and started to share my faith and I started to share the gospel with him. And then as I'm sharing, this young man, his name is Alex, he's probably mid-20s, he begins to cry. And I'm like, oh, great. And he's like, you don't understand what's happening. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes in his pocket and he pulls out and he's like, a girl that, I, that I've been seeing is a Christian. And she gave me this track. And I was just reading about what Jesus did on the cross. 
And I grew up an atheist, Joel. I, I don't even believe, I've, I've been taught that there isn't even a God. And he's like, I was reading this and just literally saying, God, if you're real, you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to reveal yourself. You're going to have to show me that you're real. And then he looked at me and he's like, and then you showed up. And began to tell me about Jesus. And I led Alex to Jesus that day. On the steps of a waterfront in Hong Kong. I say that story not because it's, I was frail, I was weak. I, I barely got to him. But I share it because, friends, God is pursuing lost people. And he loves them. In fact, he died for them. He died for you. And if you're here today, and maybe you stumble into this place, or somebody invited you, it's not an accident. Jesus loves you. And he wants to give you life. And today, all you have to say is, Jesus, come into my life, just like Alex did. Wash me of my sin. I need you to save me. My desire is to walk with you all the days of my life. And I promise you, your life will never be the same. But to those that are in the house that have already accepted Jesus, God has given you breath and life and ability for reason. You know, there's, there's a year of birth to your life, and then there will be a year of death, unless the Lord returns. And those two numbers are connected by something called a hyphen. That hyphen represents the life that was lived. You get one shot at this, friend. It's not just about getting a house even though it's almost impossible to get one. Right, Pastor Tim? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's not just about RSPs and, and retirement and, and all those things. And none of that is wrong, please. But at the end of the day, what really matters? Invest in the things that have eternal dividends. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for each person that is here today. Lord, we thank you for the Nazarenes and the Jamils that will do whatever it takes to reach people with the message of Jesus. God, I pray for our church. I pray for our pastor. I pray for our leadership team. May you empower us by the Spirit of God that there would be a demonstration of God's power in and through our lives. I prayed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet here this morning? What an incredible word. A resurgence upward, a resurgence inward and a resurgence outward. Crisis precedes renewal. You study every great awakening in the past. It was always preceded by 
times of disruption, times of crisis and turmoil, and the people of God began to call on God and say, we need a move of the Spirit. And he answered, and he came, and he poured out his Spirit on his people. And so our prayer is give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you are moving and help us to be conduits of your spirit and your blessing. Help us to be ambassadors of the gospel message and to carry it in our day and our generation. I wanna invite the prayer team to come to the front. If you want prayer for anything here this morning, we would invite you to come and receive prayer. If you're here, you've never made a conscious decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. As uh, Pastor Joel talked about that here this morning, we would invite you to come and we would love to have the opportunity to pray with you and help you understand what that means. If you need prayer just for anything, we invite you to come. But I want us to close in a song and then we're gonna go out together here today.